Welcome to the Simpler Business Podcast, where we talk about ways to do what you love and serve your people in a way that brings you income and freedom. I'm your host, Marissa Roberts. Join me as I chat with my favorite entrepreneurs about how they simplify their biz so that you can simplify yours. You started your business so you could do what you love and do it on your own terms. How's that working out for you so far? Because when I started my original business at Beautifully Organized, I spent some time doing what I enjoyed, but I also had to spend a lot of time trying to find my next client and the one after that and the one after that. And with a service-based business, I think almost all of us start out undercharging because we're worried about whether a potential client will say yes to working with us. And we've done so much work just finding this person and getting in front of them that the last thing we want to do is chase them away with a price they aren't happy with. And that leads us to working more hours than we expected just to make enough money to cover the bills. And there's only so many clients we can serve in a week. After a few months of this, it doesn't feel like we love what we do anymore and we're certainly not doing it on our own terms. But without putting time, effort or money into marketing, we can't get clients and without clients, we don't have a business, right? Not necessarily. In fact, my guests today say you can make more and work less without relying on any of the typical things we do to market ourselves, like relying on social media, a fancy opt-in or any ad spend. Abigail Pumphrey and Emily Williams are the business fairy godmothers behind Boss Project and the hosts of the chart-topping podcast, The Strategy Hour. They're internet famous for their program Trello for Business, which I personally have and love because it breaks down boring and complicated systems into bite-sized chunks. They have helped more than 10,000 creative small business owners create simplicity and ease in reaching their goals. After getting their start in 2015, serving clients in the marketing and branding space, they now help other service-based business owners reignite their offer, create systems for client experience, and get more of their time back inside their program, The Incubator. Featured in Forbes, HuffPost, Marie Claire, and Inc., the team at Boss Project is truly revitalizing the service-based industry through strategies that don't require flashy marketing, a huge audience, or full-time hours. That sounds amazing. And I am very excited to hear more. So welcome, ladies. I'm so happy that you're here today. Hello. Thanks hello. Very much. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun because I love the way you guys work. Every time I go to your website or I log into the course, I bought Trello for Business years ago. That was my first thing that I ever bought with you guys. And I remember logging in and thinking, wow, this is like, it's like I've entered a beautiful and simple world. Like I just felt immersed in it. And I know with the incubator, you guys get a ton of awesome results and feedback from your clients because you basically just make business more, I want to say more fun, but I also want to say it's just, you know, like smoother and more gentle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like a flow on of your life, your business now, Mm -hmm. instead of like compartmentalizing and, and big walls up between business and life. Does that make sense? It kind of flows together is what I'm hearing. Yeah, Absolutely. We want to see continuity between 
what you're doing in your everyday world and in your business. And we believe in running a business that fits into your life, not making your life work around your business. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes with ease and simplicity and systems you can rely on, uh, but also making nothing an emergency. And so like, if we can just approach life with a bit more chill. (laughs) Um, That doesn't mean you can't have fun. And it doesn't mean there's going to be times that you aren't going to put more effort forth. But uh, we're all about the, the, it just feeling relaxed as much as possible. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was listening to one of the episodes for your podcast back in July, and it was all about having a life first business. And that was a real aha moment for me, because I've been in business for about 10 years. I started my first organizing business back in 2011, 2012. And the first few months I totally burnt out. Like it was really ironic because I was going to other mums' houses to organize it so their day would flow easier. Then I was coming home at the end of the day and my house was a freaking mess because I was so exhausted helping other people. So yeah, it was a real burnout situation for me at the start. But 10 years later down the track, I found lots of things that work. But I never, this is going to sound crazy, but I never took that step further and went, hang on a minute, it's a life first business, not a life that flows around my business. It's like putting the priority on the life part makes all the difference. And when you guys were giving examples of how you do it with your team, that Mm -hmm. was really next level for me. So do you want to go into that concept of life first business a little bit more for our listeners so they can get what we truly mean by that? Yeah, I think that the best way for me to describe it is honestly to give you an example that our team is kind of going through right now and has been popping up when it comes to scheduling or different events or time off or anything within our our business. It's a value that we have externally and internally. So what I mean by that is we have about five or six boss project values that Abigail and I have really picked apart and and gone into detail on what the value means and what does it mean to live in that value for us, for our team, for our company, for our clients, whatever. Two of those are internal and external facing. One of them is life first. It's like the number one, if I could get anything on a marquee, like in a wall in an office, that's what I would get. And it's the constant reminder that we all within this team in working with clients and scheduling events, prioritize life first. So it means not scheduling things when our office isn't open. It means not overloading our calendar or our day with certain types of events or work tasks that are too, um, you know, where you have to be on for too many things or using your brain in a certain way. It's about being intentional about having an ebb and flow to your schedule. It's about having freedom to go get your hair done in the middle of the day if that's what you want or need to do and know that that's not going to really affect anything with the team because everything's got what they, everyone has everything what they need in order to move forward with their project. It's about feeling comfortable having quiet mornings or blocking off your time for independent work or writing or design and really turning off notifications and going on do not disturb and really being able to focus in on what you need to do. It's about being able to mark time off and paid time off for yourself and for your team without feeling guilty and without thinking and worrying that it's actually going to impact the business in a negative way. It's truly believing that taking the time and honoring the boundaries that you have set in place that work for you and your life are going to impact your business in positive ways, not negative ways. And I think what I'm working with a team member right now is that there's a lot of 
corporate unlearning that a lot of us have to do. I, I never worked in corporate, so I'm one of the kind of lucky ones where I don't have the the trauma of corporate life, the baggage that I need to work through to unlearn in how I show up for work. Um, but a lot of our team members do. And it's one of those things to be able to recognize that trauma and want to do something different about it, but also not knowing, not knowing how and not feeling confident that the boundaries that you can put in place are actually going to serve you better than breaking those boundaries. Yeah. And for us, it's, you have to identify what what does the boundary mean for you? Because life first for you in this season could look entirely different than what it looks like for us in this season. Our current life first boundaries look different today than they're going to in December around the holidays or in the summer when I don't have childcare or whatever different seasons of life may pop up. And so you have to be aware of the ebb and flow of that and also understand what the boundaries need to be in order for you to stick to those. Yeah, that's a really good point. I remember when I was in corporate life, it was like you would see someone in the office who was obviously having a hard time and people in the office would say things like, oh, you know, let them be for a bit. They're going through something right now. They're caring for a sick parent or something's happening at home with their child. And I, I remember thinking, you know, it's nice that they said be careful around that person, but what's that person doing here if they're going through something so here? big? Yeah. You know, I remember mm. losing a family member and still being at work maybe two days later and someone said hi to me and I started crying out of nowhere. Yeah. And I remember yeah. thinking I am not, I'm not meant to be here, but because I was scheduled to work and I was technically healthy myself and the funeral wasn't on for a couple more days, it was just expected that I would be there. And I remember thinking, yeah. that is messed up. And it was mm -hmm. just to meet a number, just to meet a KPI and some data for the big company. And as you can see, I'm not there anymore. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny when when you're faced with those kind of things, you, I... <sighs> people running these businesses where those are the requirements, they should know at this point that if someone's that distracted, they're not going to be a productive or efficient member of the team. If anything, they're going to be a distraction to everyone else because they can't work on the same schedule that they would normally, their efficiency is down and their communication is more haphazard. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge sometimes, but I will say when it becomes so culturally ingrained in your team, no one blinks an eye. Everyone is supportive of each other and it is expected for you to walk away and leave and prioritize those parts of your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I was listening to your episode, that was the big moment for me is when you guys said, if something happens to our team member, they don't have to ask us for the day off. They just let us know they they're taking the day and mm -hmm. even just that shift in how you say it like that just let us know you're taking the day we will work around you because you trust that your team you know when they need something they need it and when everything is going fine that's going fine and I think that that fosters a sense of passion for working with you and loyalty for working with you and it's not just a money job anymore it's like hey you know everybody doesn't just care about each other on paper they actually care it's like we'll make it yeah. work and then you do it yeah. for each other it's like an exchange an energetic exchange and it's so worth it well and that 
behavior didn't happen by accident. That was very intentional where we wanted to foster a team of people who felt confident in order to say that. But how do you get there? When I was talking about how Abby and I have spent time outlining what the value means to us, we also spent time outlining what does it mean to to actually live in this value, like some of the things I brought up, right? But what does it mean to not live in this value, to be directly opposing this value? And we actually list those in our like company portal, like our wiki, uh, there's like bullet points of like, if you are unwell and you're still pushing through and working and showing up to meetings and going to projects, that's directly living against the value that we say that we all want to live in. Um, if you are saying yes to projects when you know your schedule is already full and you find yourself sneaking in work after hours, even though like you don't want to, but you feel like you have to, that's you not communicating with your manager or your supervisor or someone else on your team who could help you. If you're not collaborating, if you're not asking for help, we've listed out a whole bunch of ways because sometimes we we like to we say that we want to live in this value and I want to be this type of person who does this but I don't know how and sometimes it's easier to see okay well I might not know how but I know what it shouldn't look like so let me outline what it shouldn't look like and when I start to notice myself doing those things or a team member doing those things we all lovingly hold each other accountable of like didn't you say you had a migraine this morning why are you still on slack like you need to go. And it's just this like, oh yeah, thanks for checking me on that. I am going to go. And it's just this checks and balance that we have, but that, that wasn't by accident. That was very intentional. Yeah. Well, I think it's worked out really well because I think you've been able to nail the most important things by going, by starting with what's not working, what's the most frustrating, what's the most difficult. And I like how you each have your own versions of what um, balance kind of looks like for you. Like, you know, whether yeah. that be, I need to go to the plant shop and kind of be around greenery for a while, or I need to Me. look after my nephew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It makes There's different, different things will recharge different people and knowing, mm-hmm. taking the time to learn those things too is, is really valuable even for your team members, like knowing, that Jen likes to off-road her Jeeps on the weekend and like take a hike with her puppies. Like I can, as her manager, encourage her to take that time and do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I do, not only does she appreciate me more, but she, she does the things that are naturally going to recharge her. And then Mm -hmm. she's more efficient and more productive at work anyway, which benefits me regardless. Mm -hmm. So I, I just don't understand why people don't take the time to, to get to know your team in a way that you can support them as a whole person. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I think if your job and your business or, you know, whatever you're doing for a living truly aligns with the things that light you up as a person, so yeah. much better for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and at the end of the day, and I don't know if it was this episode that I talked about it or a different one, but creativity in and of itself is one of the very few resources that we have that the more that we use it, the more that we have of it. And you have to learn to be creative even outside of like just doing your work. Because I think oftentimes in our industry, at least we're, we're a team of professional designers, copywriters, photographers, artists, calligraphers, being creative has been how we've gotten paid and how we've built a career, right? So sometimes it's hard to see that, oh, I need to be creative, but in a different way. I need to go make a pair of earrings, or I need to go write for my book instead of work, or I need to go do a paint by number real quick to just like reset my brain and like like zone out a little bit. And oftentimes it's those times that are sometimes sprinkled in the middle of the day for us where you're like, oh, 
I actually have this new idea for a strategy I want to talk to you about, or this got me excited to start this project over here. And we don't draw those connections as often as I think that they actually exist. Yeah, it's so true. I get most of my ideas on a Thursday and it's every Thursday that I go to the movies. I take the day off. I go with the business. Yes. We go to the movies. We end up talking more about business ideas after lunch because we've had a few yeah. solid hours of just chilling out. Or, I love that. You know, or when you have your best ideas in the shower, right? Even right. Even that 10 minutes, it's all the same sort of idea. And I think the more we can incorporate that sort of stuff into our business and our life, the more enjoyable, but also the better results we're going to see, right? And I think that leads me into the the other topic that we're talking about today, which is you guys tend to break free from the traditional things everybody talks about as must-dos for your marketing. And when I first read that, I was like, I don't know, like how, what do I replace those with? We're all taught (laughs) you need an opt-in, you need to be on social media, multiple platforms all the time. You need to run Facebook ads and you need to scale those Facebook ads in order to scale your results. You guys have a totally different point of view on that, right? Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? 100%. Well, and it's funny <laughs> to me that you even say traditional because I would argue that none of those are technically traditional, but they're all trendy and and really focused on what's new, what's hot, what's going on right now, not necessarily traditional. Traditional should be foundational aspects of the way you overall market your business. So the, and the foundation of any business, marketing goes back to relationships. And sure, you can build relationships on social media. You can absolutely build relationships by nurturing them via email. You can do that a little bit through paid advertising, but it's more a shouting and saying, hey, pay attention to me kind of thing. So, but all of those things are mechanisms. The The actual point behind them is the building of relationships, building of trust, building of um, someone knowing and understanding what you can do and provide for them. And ultimately, all of those things were built initially for different industries. And, And we have attempted to take every trend that's ever existed and morph it to like work for the industry we work in. And some of them do not translate as well as others, especially as service providers. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you use social media as a way to showcase client results and and showcase your portfolio? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to be a primary I- income driver for you? No, I don't. I think primarily you're going to see your referrals and um, your lead gen happen through natural connections you either already have or you're building. And so Uh instead of spending so much time and energy attempting to show up in all of these areas, I would rather you enhance the relationships that are going to lead to bigger and better things. And, And sometimes those are direct connections to people that are ultimately going to pay you and and buy your offer and work with you. And other times it's spending time with people that are natural connectors who are the natural life of the party and tend to know all of the people in a circle or in an area. And you can spend time getting to know these people. And when you know even just one of them, it's surprising how little effort it takes for you to continue sustaining. Um, And so 
uh, you know, for the majority of our clients, not everyone, but in the service realm, most really only need to be working with two to three clients a month. And if you are adequately pricing, um, that should more than sustain your own personal income and potentially even an admin or an additional employee. Beyond that, there's definitely additional things you'd have to do to scale to make all of these things work. But that if, still if don't require the social media or the ads or the opt-in. Absolutely. Or the absolutely. <laughs> but if we're only needing two to three conversions, so to speak, a month, then we really only need a handful of discovery calls and pitch meetings that ultimately lead to these things. And if that's the case, like I'm just not so nervous about growing the list by leaps and bounds. We have friends with lists under a thousand that are that are netting 500,000 a year. And it's because it's a relationship business. Um, you know, some don't have email lists at all. Some have no social media presence. Most of our clients, if you go to their yeah. social, they haven't updated it in eons, but they are mm-hmm. so busy in a in the best kind of way where they don't necessarily have problems landing sales or new clients. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, one of my friends, Adrienne, she works as a virtual assistant and so her business is service-based. And I remember I had her on the show once because she booked out her business within a couple of weeks of starting it through people that she'd worked with in past jobs or client referrals that were like, hey, I loved working with got it down. Yeah. And it was, it's almost too simple. Like people kind of gloss over it when it seems too simple like that. Well, those are my favorite conversations to have of like, it's too simple because honestly, like the reason why we feel like we need all of these things, or we've even convinced them ourselves that like TikTok or video or going viral or Instagram or whatever are traditional marketing practices is because like the online marketing world in and of itself is marketing from marketers about marketing. Mm-hmm. And so you're just going to stay in that like loop of only hearing what's trendy for going viral because it's literally their point. Because those type of educators or people are talking to the masses because if they have a low price offer or a low price membership or only free content or whatever it might be, then they need the tens of thousands of leads so they can make thousands of sales throughout the year. You don't need that if you're in the service-based business and you're pricing appropriately. So if you find yourself where you're like, okay, Abby, you're saying I only need to work with one to maybe three people a month, like that wouldn't reach my income goals. That's not actually possible. I'm I'm looking at 30 people or 50 people a year, whatever that might look like, then we need to be readdressing what you're actually offering and how you're you're funneling traffic to that offer. Yeah. I think a lot of service-based people undercharge big time too, right? Every person, everyone does. Everyone does. Yeah. Everyone. And regardless of, of stage, like, yeah, we, we still underprice things frequently (laughs) and we've been doing this a long time. And, you know, when your clients send, uh, you know, a bid, option and they're like, I'm thinking about charging 425000 for this consulting service. And then like, you get all these kind of feelings about it. You have to check yourself and you're like, and you're like, I only charge you $275. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? And you know, just, just for 
so you all can ease your mind a bit. We have clients, you know, charging as little as a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month for a retainer service, and we have clients mm-hmm. uh, like Emily Jane who are charging sixty thousand plus per client. So like. Mm-hmm there's a wide gamut and it's so dependent on in industry and your personal income goals, your client capacity and utilization, um, mm-hmm. ultimately what you're delivering, the timeline, how much time you're investing in these projects matter immensely. And so don't worry, you don't necessarily need to know right now, but trust mm-hmm. me, we have calculators and exact practices we walk people through so they can leave feeling really sure about the direction they need to take it. Yeah. I think that's very helpful because I can tell you right now, there are listeners out there today who heard you say, you know, they're doing a minimum a thousand or $1,500 monthly retainer. And you know, some of my listeners are going, um, I have trouble quoting $500 for a retainer, right? So even what you, even what you guys just said was a very, very low level was double what some of my listeners are charging their clients. So there's, It's a big leap and you're right. And I think when you surround yourself with people who have the calculators and have done the numbers and have worked with people in service-based industries in different different areas, it's like they can tap into your experience and your, you know, the problems that you've already overcome in the past that you've seen pop up and you can say to them, no, hang on, here are some ideas on how to avoid that from happening or what to charge here or what to say when you're not sure when you're talking to somebody and you want to sign them for project work, but you don't want to undercut your rates. That's helpful Mm -hmm. too. Well, I think it's critical to understand that, you know, there is no blanket statement. I I see so many educators out there going and saying, here's the formula and it needs to be at least this amount and whatever. And it's like, maybe the square root of, of, like, you know, like if you're an accountant and you're bookkeeping, a bookkeeping service has a range that people are anticipating your charge to be within. And so like, Ultimately, sure, a bookkeeper, quote unquote, could charge multiple thousands of dollars a month. But at that point, the expectations from a business would be completely different if you were charging 700. And what kind of business do you want to run? Are you consulting on a CFO type level where you're providing analytical metric, deep diving into forecasting and all the things? Or are you just balancing someone's book on a month-to-month basis and you can create more efficiencies and scale from there? Or you might be on the other end of the spectrum where you're working with someone for six to nine months and capacity-wise, you could really only work with one to three people total, maybe the whole year. And so Mm -hmm. like then in terms of deliverables, your life is very, very, very different. Mm -hmm. And so we just can't be comparing apples to apples all the time because it's not. And because the route that people typically go is, okay, what's kind of my skill set? What do I think I should offer? Now, let me go find people who are going to pay me some kind of money for that thing. And and depending on what they'll pay, that's what I'll charge. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we start at what you should charge <laughs> based on your goals, your needs. Again, like all the things that Abby listed off. And then we create design the container of what should then go in, what's allowed to go into that offer based on what you want to charge and need to charge. 
because you don't just get to throw in the kitchen sink and then slash the price because that's what people will pay you. That's not how this works. So it's totally fine to set your prices and then go, what's going to make this worth it for the client yep. to pay that? What's well, going to make worth it worth it. it for me to deliver it? So here's a headspace change I want to I want to encourage. You don't need to fill your container to justify the worth. We're not going to play that mindset game. Your worth is completely separate from what you're delivering and the results that you're achieving for your clients. Period point blank. You are incredible. What you deliver is incredible. They do not mean the same thing. So what we're going to decide is after we're identifying the price of that container based on what it is, we're going to decide what is the result? What is the actual thing, the one outcome, the key result that I want every single client I work with to achieve who goes through this container, right? Because you could have multiple offers if you wanted to. So I want to provide this result. Okay. To achieve that result today in this climate, in this season with these type of clients, what do I know? Because I'm the expert that they need delivery wise to achieve that result. Mm. Pop it up. Does the time match? How long does it take me to actually deliver these things? Fulfill on this promise. And it's just a little bit of finagling of, oh, I filled it with too many things. And it's actually going to take me this much time. Then we need to go back and readjust that price. Or if the price still feels scary, then we need to make it cost less of your time because you can't charge that if it's taking you that much time. Yeah. So it's all, it's sort of this equilibrium that you're creating where you have to solve the whole problem with the container that you're developing. If you can't solve the whole problem in the amount of time you've allotted, you either, you need to either solve a smaller problem or you need to increase your price to compensate for the time difference. And, and, and you kind of go in a circle until it all kind of take shakes little, out and makes sense. Add a little, yeah. take a little. But, but mm-hmm. the, the thing I see people doing is they're just trying to add the value when mm-hmm. often it's not even related to the initial promise they're it's trying to bluff. make. They're cramming as much in as they can, yeah. thinking that, yeah. but actually that just and leaves everyone like, oh, overwhelmed. Well, this part's templatized. And so I'm going to give it to every client anyway. So it doesn't really cost me anything. It's like, uh-uh. who cares? If mm-hmm. it's so unhelpful, then why are you doing it at all? My favorite add-on is, oh, I'll just add on another call. That just cost me my time. That is your most important asset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you so doing? Cool. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And you know, this isn't just one-on-one services either. This can go in group platforms. You know, you could Absolutely. apply that approach to lots of different things. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a skill. It's a skill I learned very early on that we learned when we had our marketing boutique of like, I only want to give you what I know is going to give you a result. Cause there's, I don't want to waste my time or your time. It was something that was like, re-solidified and it was my platform that I'll die on kind of thing. When we also translated it to digital offers. And so we have a group program that's a little bit of one-on-one service, a little bit of um, done like uh, self-guided curriculum. Um, we, when we were creating what needs to go in this offer for them to achieve their result, right? The very 
easy thing to do is just add on more fluff, more calls, more coaching, more support, more templates, more PDFs, more this, more that, whatever. And when I was like, what if we literally just tested, not actually even communicating the exact deliverables that we think that they needed in order to reach that result. And we're just going to know this is how much time we're going to dedicate to spend to get them to that result. And that's all that they actually need. And we didn't get any pushback. We didn't get any questions about what was inside. We didn't get any extra of, could I get this added onto it? Cause I think I'm going to need this. That actually has come when we've been way more specific and threw in extra things just to beef up the value. The pushback comes when everything is listed out. When we've been a little bit more, I'm going to get you this result and we're going to do what it takes to get you that result. That's the only thing you should be worried about. Everyone's like, great, let's do it. Let's make it happen. That takes all the pressure off their shoulders. Mm -hmm. Then they're like, I don't care how we get there. I don't care how we get there. You're saying we're going to get there. Good. Yeah. And then do you find that's easy to deliver on then? Because I imagine different clients have different expectations once you actually start working together. Yeah, I think it kind of ultimately depends on the format of how you're doing it in a in a group setting. You kind of have to set boundaries around how you plan to show up and you can do as much as you can do within the boundaries of the time constraint that you have. Mm-hmm. Um in a one-on-one format, while you might sell the same offer three times or five times or ten times, regardless of the number. The, the promise is the same, but someone may have an entirely different focus. And so this is where you get to create efficiencies and utilize the same process for everyone, but nuanced make changes to customize their experience to make sure you're helping them achieve the result they want and need. Um, all within the confines of like what the offer is. So as an example, we have a sales strategy intensive, which is a very popular service um, on our one-on-one agency side. Um, and it's set up in a consulting format and it includes a set number of calls, including this sales playbook that really walks through, here's what we see you doing step-by-step into the future. That being said, people have come in with very different problems, all in the same kind of category of things. We have one person who is mostly just undercharging and needs to reestablish what her price point is. We have someone else who has had a ton of offers, has recently narrowed down, but is still undercharging and and needed help kind of molding what her core set of packages and pricing would look like. Someone else who um, has traffic to their site and is getting a lot of organic leads via Google, which is amazing. But like, how do you convert those higher? And so do we need to include a bit more of a web audit as part of this process? Someone else who's in an earlier stage has had less clients and less conversions, but she is selling at a much higher price point and she needs more help with the prospecting journey. And how do you go after leads yourself and pursue them yourself? And ultimately we're still talking about literally just taking someone from prospect to sale, which is a very short portion of everything you do within your business. But the client's needs has been different every time. Mm -hmm. And there's foundational things we're going to teach all of them, but we're going to make nuanced changes to our delivery 
to ensure we're focusing on the aspects that are most important to them. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So then if I kind of wrap up all everything that we've talked about today, it feels like the simpler way to do things is to, in terms of getting clients, making real actual, I don't want to say authentic connections because that's become such a buzzword too, but it's the word yeah, that kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, real connections with real people, especially at the start of your business is really going to get it up and running. And then thinking in terms of the outcome for your client and the benefits they'll see out of what you're doing with them or for them, that's going to make a much better result than just cramming in all the things you're going to give them or do yep. for them. That Absolutely. makes sense. 100%. You're spot on. It makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I can think now of times when I've done, say, sales meetings with clients in the past where the ones that have gone bad are all where I'm just like, here's what I'll give you, here's what I'll give you, here's what I'll uh-huh. give you. And the ones that went really well is where I've been relaxed and confident because I know, oh, I can help you get the best outcome. I can yeah. help you do this without feeling stressed anymore. I can help make sure that this runs smoothly from now on and you can actually take some time off if you want. And when yeah. I talk in terms like that, my clients are like, yeah, I don't care how you do it. Right. Take my money. Yes. They don't care about the details or how you do it. And ultimately, like people are hiring done for you services from service providers because well, they literally want something done for them, but they also want something decided for them, planned for them, outlined for them. You are the expert, not them. They're hiring you for a very specific thing. So if we can eliminate as much decision fatigue as possible or analysis paralysis as possible, and like, here's the solution, here's what we're going to do, and here's the result you're going to get, no matter what it is that you offer, I think oftentimes we like, like, not to say that it shouldn't be collaborative, because some projects definitely are, but like, Ultimately, at the end of the day, you're the one who knows more than the other person. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. And have a little bit of confidence or keep going when it comes to pricing so that you know that over time, you're right, if you work with a handful of clients, you're going to give them a much better deliverable anyway because you're not burning yourself out. And that's part of the value in the pricing of your offer. Absolutely. And if you need help working on the confidence, that's definitely something we work with you on inside the incubator for sure. I I know we've had clients be really intimidated by price, but we go over our exact sales methods. How do you walk mm-hmm. through a discovery call? How do you have what a connection? What do you say in a pitch meeting? How do you present your offer, including price, in a way that feels less weird yeah. <laughs> and less clunky? And- Uh Yeah. And it takes practice for sure. But if you're nervous, we definitely have strategies for you to, from the get go, make Uh it feel less. I'll convert you. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do people find out more about the incubator then? Do they go to your website or your socials? Because I know we'll have some people thinking, all right, I need, this is for me. I need to jump in. So where do they start? Yeah. You're just going to go straight to bossproject.com slash scale. And there's a short application immediately that you'll see. And it's going to walk us through what is your current offer? How are things going? What are your goals coming up? And give us a few details and then we'll reach out and and Should get to know sense? you. Yeah, we <laughs> will actually get to know you as a human being. And then if it makes sense, we're going to send you a short training that's going to, well, it's not short. It is a beefy training, a beefy training that's going to walk you through <laughs> what it does, what it looks like to do that pricing audit and make some adjustments, create an 
present a high touch signature service um, and ultimately reduce the amount of time you're working in your business. And it's so much fun. And we've so enjoyed working with um, our clients in that program over the last year. We're celebrating our first birthday in that program. And it's been so fun to develop. Oh, that's good. Well, if it's anything like the convo we've had today, it's going to be fun for them to be doing that more long term. Yeah, it's that times like 100. (laughs) Oh, lovely. All right. Well, I'll make sure I've got a link in the show notes so people can just click through and check it out for themselves. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here because I think you've just lightened the load, the mental load for so many service providers now because sometimes I think we don't give ourselves permission to reach out further than what we're already comfortable offering and we don't Mm -hmm. give ourselves the okay to be a little bit different to what we're seeing out there that other service providers do other service providers who are often burnt out by the way so you know if we're all copying each other in terms of offers we're all burning out long term and no one's going to get any support in the long run (laughs) so yeah this has been amazing thank you for being here and thank you for having us Oh, it's been so fun. I wish we could talk forever, but I think I've already rambled on for way too long. And kept here. So <laughs> for anybody out there listening, I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. Make sure you go and check out Abigail and Emily's incubator because, yeah, there's some really good stuff in there. And, yeah, I will see you all in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Simpler Business Podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to make it nice and easy for you, just the way we like it. If you're ready to simplify and scale your business, you can get started with my free audio class at marissaroberts.com. See you next time.